Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Hey, I'm just trying to figure out which books I might want to box up and take with me to get rid of when we go to the next con. But like, I'm not sure. Like, what about this one? Do you think we'll ever play this again? Yeah, probably not. But maybe. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And for today's episode, we didn't actually have time to do our normal outlining, so we're taking two of the questions that we got when we were looking for some fresh meat uh, last week. And since they didn't feel like we could talk about them necessarily for an entire episode individually, we thought we'd just cover both of them in this episode. Yeah, sometimes you guys send topics that are like really good, Mm -hmm. but we can't figure out how to work a whole episode out of them. So we normally do is kind of collect a couple of them until we can just do two or three of them in one episode. So this gathering, this collection, which we got off of Slack, had two such items that were like, "Mm, neither one of these warrants a whole episode, but both of these are worth talking about. Yeah, and in other news, if you have more fun, creative names for grab bag episodes, because I went through a lot of them already, and I have been running dry. Um, I have named many of them after Hobbits and many of them after Star Wars, and I'm out. So uh, if you have more funny, creative uh, pun names for grab bag episodes, let me know. (laughs) Anyway. Today's episode, um, the first question that we are going to address came to us from Mo, as Phil said, in the Slack room. And Mo said, the purge, when you finally realize you have more than enough or that stuff you have is never going to get played, how do you call your game collection? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a good question. It's actually one that's been on my mind for a little while now because uh, I'm old Right. So I have amassed a pretty beefy collection. Now I've lost a couple chunks of my collection. There was a there was a chunk of my collection that went to my ex's parents house and never came back, Mm. which I think comprises like some uh, late 80s, like late 80s stuff that just kind of late 80s, early 90s stuff that's just kind of lost to antiquity kind of thing. Like they're gone. I'll never see them again. But with the exception of like that kind of gap, my collection from like the 90s to today is with me. And it's not a small amount of books. And I'm not even that prolific of a collector. Like I am an avid role player and I buy games when I play them and I buy some games beyond that to support um, to support some designers and things like that. I, I'm not like wildly buying games every five minutes and I have a pretty extensive collection. So, yeah, there comes a point where uh, with physical books. So let's be clear with physical books, there becomes a point where space becomes an issue space is an issue (laughs) yeah like for instance right now i have in my living room i have a bookcase which has 
several shelves dedicated to just RPGs and a couple shelves dedicated to board games. I have that cool display rack mm-hmm. that you you know because you've been to my house that has about 15 or 20 more books um, on it. And it's more, more like 24 books on it for display. Yeah, just to be clear, it's it's um, sort of a an old comic book like sales rack or like library piece of furniture where you get to put the books um, cover facing out. So yeah. to describe that for people who haven't been to your with, house. With like stadium, with like yeah. stadium shelves. Stadium shelving going up. So it's got what, like three, three tiers, oh, four like tiers? Six, like six, six tiers. tiers. Yeah. Of like, and then books across. I nabbed it down. from a, I nabbed it from like an architectural or design firm that was going out of yeah. business and they put it on the street. They might have used it for like brochures or something, sure, right? Exactly. Like brochures or samples or something like that. Yeah. And it's got some cool storage in the bottom that I put like some board games and some other stuff in. But then, yeah, it's got like, you know, outward facing books and it's got, I can do four six by nines and I think it's like six rows of them or something. Anyway. And then I have like three plastic tubs full of games. And then I have two large plastic tubs full of games at my ex's house that I just, she was nice enough to just lend me some space to keep some stuff and I don't even touch those games they're like at some point I they're my purge I basically yeah. purged those two boxes to move to my apartment but even now I have way more stuff than could fit like if I, I would have to line my house in bookcases which I would do just to be clear right like <laughs> yeah. I, I would do if possible uh, but I can't like I've actually decorated my place and there's like so only so many places one can put a bookcase um, in my apartment. Right. My apartment's not yes. huge. Yeah. So I am at a point where I am starting to wonder, like, will I play all of these games? And if I'm not, why am I holding on to them? I could yeah. think of some reasons. So, yeah. Why are you stop- so? Okay. Well, so then let me jump in and I will just say for the purposes of this conversation, I have significantly fewer um, RPGs in print than you do. Like I have a, a, a laughably small print collection in many ways. Um, It is a single, very tall, like double tall shelf in my bookcase, um, which is filled up and then also stacked on top of those all the way up. So it takes up the entire space. But having said that, and I will, I will just put some context around this. Um, For a very long time, I had to share my bookshelf space with my ex. And um, he was not super into giving me bookshelf space for RPGs. Um, I was fighting to keep like uh, books that just, just, you know, reading books that were very important to me. And the end result is that my collection is largely PDF because that just sidestepped the issue entirely. Yeah. I will say though, while you do not have a large RPG collection, your bookcases are not bare and you actually do have the same issue. You have the same issue about the purge, except that it's with fiction. Yeah, it is mostly with fiction. And I actually just added an additional bookshelf to my bedroom to just have a little bit more space to expand. Even though at the same time that I did that, I also went through all of my books and got rid of, um, I think, two big boxes I took to the Friends of the Library um, to, you know, support the library at the same time as getting rid of the books. But yeah, so 
I wanted to state that for the record, like that I'm not speaking from the perspective of RPGs as much, but I do collect things. Books are one of them. Clothes are another one. And I have some really specific, um, I guess, I don't, I don't know how to, what, what is the word that I'm Criteria? looking for? Some really specific, no, like um, systems that I use when I go through um, both books and clothes that I personally think absolutely apply to RPGs also. I just haven't had to do it with my RPGs because my collection is all PDF. So I just toss everything in the RPG folder and then forget about it. And then it like continues to grow in gigabytes, right? Like that's... <laughs> yeah, I, so I have that same problem electronically. I have um, a NAS, right? Net, network attached storage at my house. So I don't even keep my RPG collection the entirety of it. I don't even keep it on my actual computer. Yeah. So I, I actually, and I'll, I'll talk about this for just a second and then we'll go back to physical books. The vast majority of my digital collection is on the NAS sitting in a folder and within that folders for each game. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty good about that beyond that level, like inside the folders mm, hit and miss, depending on how interested yeah. I was when I moved them over. Yep. Me too. I, I then <laughs> keep a portion of the collection in Google drive. Mm -hmm. And that is like basically things I am currently playing things I'm interested in playing or might just want to read so that they're cloud accessible. Yes. Right. Yep. So like my my D&D 3.0 digital collection is on the NAS. I can only get it when I'm home, like when I log into one of my machines at home to get it. My Cortex collection is web accessible, right? I have yep. it in cloud so that I can get it wherever I am whenever I need it. That's kind of how I differentiate my digital collection, right? Like cold storage versus uh, this is stuff that I may want to get into. Yeah. Right. And That's then a, yeah. I guess, sorry, one more step even further than that. I read all my PDFs on my iPad. And so I have Goodreader, which connects to Google Drive. So if I'm actively using it or reading it, I have downloaded copies to my iPad. Yeah. That's my digital. That's yeah. my digital tier of my three digital tiers, right? On the iPad in the cloud, on the NAS. Yeah, yeah, which makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, so uh, and it's interesting that you specifically said deep storage or like the icebox, right? Because um, that's part of my personal system, right, for sorting. And if you were to turn to me and say, Senda, how do I sort these RPGs? And you also say to me, I have these two plastic tubs that are still at my ex's house that I've never needed to get into since I moved out. Then I say, cool, they've been in deep storage long enough. You know that you don't care about them anymore because your life has continued without them and they can leave without you having to think about it. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Do you want to talk through what you're like, how you're going to approach this first? Or do you want me to talk through like how I approach? Let me mention really quickly. Yeah. I mentioned my digital tiers. Let me tell you my physical sure. tiers. Sure. So I have games that I'm actively playing. I keep on one shelf in my bookcase so mm -hmm. that I can just go get them or on game day, I can just grab them. And there's just like, like there's basically Knights Black Agents and my Cortex book. Yeah right there and I can just grab them and go kind of thing. 
Or, you know, if I need them, like while I'm working at home, I can go grab them. But most of the time, if I'm working from home, like doing prep, I just access the PDFs. Yeah. So they're really just for throwing in my bag and taking with me. Then I have stuff that's in the bookcase or I have stuff that's in the living room, either the bookcase or the display case. And those are things that like I will probably like go over and pick up and look at. A good portion of what's in my bookcase are games that I have played that I have out as trophies. Mm hmm. Right. Uh, Tracy Hickman, a long time ago, said that the uh, physical copy of the book that's on your shelf is the um, souvenir mm -hmm. of the trip you take for reading the book. And I have the same thing for role playing games. I keep a bunch of role playing games on a shelf that are just souvenirs from past campaigns I've run, past good times I've had. So all of my D&D hardcovers are on a shelf. My Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Conspiracy X, Tales from the Loop, like Underground, like all of those are lined up and they're just literally there for me to look at and remember like, oh yeah, like those were great. Like I played all those games. And then anything else out in the living room has some potential of, of being played like so that I could go get it and look at it. And then I have the, storage containers that are in my closet these are games that made the the purge when i moved out yeah but i'm not doing anything with them currently but i didn't want to not have them nearby mm -hmm. nor did i want to get rid of them and then in some sort of level of cop-out i have the two actually i'll tell you what it is the two containers that are at my exes it's not that i want them and I guess this will be a good time to bring this up. We'll segue yep. into this for a moment. Yep. I have poor brain. Yep. You know this too, right? You yep. have it as well. Yep. Um, having grown up poor, I cannot throw things away. Mm -mm. I Because I feel like I spent money on it. I should get something out of it. You're committed and, to loving it and keeping it forever. Correct. And the, <laughs> and the truth is, no. Right? I have to yeah. fight poor brain on this. But it is definitely a thing. And so the things that are at my exes, I should have just thrown out. No, no, you don't have to throw them out. Donate Correct. them to the library, right? Like it's Correct. better. Need, it's better when they go somewhere else. Correct. I need to do something with them. Yes. Because throwing them out would have been terrible. So I just stuffed them into some tubs there and left them. And at some point in my future, I will be forced to confront them because at some point my ex will be like cleaning the basement and be like, Please do you get still your need shit these? Here. Yeah. And I'll be <laughs> like, no, let me do something about them. Like mm -hmm. I will now take, you know, I will resolve to take care of them. This so is how my ex's grandmother's China ended up going to Goodwill. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> those... Those are like my tears. And honestly, my tears are kind of strained right now. Like the three boxes I have are pretty full. The shelves are all pretty full. And I can't bring in too many more things before I have to start making some decisions about what can and can't stay or shuffle along the tears in my apartment. Yeah, right. Um, and that's it's it's an interesting thing because there's even like. um. <laughs> It's pretty funny because the, the majority of space on my my rather limited shelf for my RPGs right now is in fact taken up by D&D &D and Pathfinder because I have the third edition books, the three five books, um, the fifth edition books, 
and Pathfinder and a number of additional splat books and campaign books that of various vintages um, to go with those. And um, I have played all of those, right? But am I going to play them again? Uh, I'm going to say probably not. So as we've been talking, I've been thinking about reasons why you would keep role-playing books. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like so, to think of them, you know, when you go <laughs> to like a hunting lodge or something and they have like animal plants all over the place. Terrible. But like, this is my equivalent. I did all those. <laughs> so, okay. So that's that we, we identified that in just yeah. a few minutes ago. So one of the first reasons for keeping a game book that you've played, I, I don't even want to qualify. Let's just talk about things you would want to keep. So trophy is one of them. Trophy yes. is I have played this book. I am proud of it. I have had good times and I like the memories associated with having it. Yes. I may or may not ever play this game again. Yeah. But it, it is allowed to stay because I enjoyed it. Yes. Okay, and that's, sometimes, that's trophy. Sometimes that means, you know, I just played this game. Sometimes it means like in my case, the um, the things from the flood book that I have um, was passed along to me from the GM for our... Um, Tales from the Loop game, and it actually has um, souvenir writing in it. It has us writing in the front before we played the adventure when everything was happy, and then it has us writing in the back at the end when everything had gone completely off the deep end, right? Um, And and it's like it's an amazing memory, and so like that one I will never get rid of. Absolutely not, right? Okay, so trophy. All right. Yes. The next one is. Games that I likely will play at some point in the future. Now, yes, this one is a this one is a sliding window, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Because what you may play in the future now may not be true six months or a year from now. But that's okay because you yep. can reevaluate your collection from time to time. So the next one, the next one, right? That's the I'm probably going to play this game or I want to play this game. So, for instance. I have cartel out because mm-hmm. I want to play this game yes. and I will play this game at some point. I've just been biding my time for it. Okay. Yes. And interestingly enough for me, um, the vast majority of games that are on my shelf right now, I purchase them in physical form because they fall into that category for me. Mm-hmm. Because if they didn't, I, if I was just like, oh, I just want to have this, and it wasn't something that I saw myself playing, it went into the PDF bucket, right? Yeah. Okay. So now the next category is academically, I keep these books around. Yes. <laughs> so I have several role-playing games that have been inspirational in terms of mechanics or in terms of other writing, and I keep those around because... I may during game design or looking up something for an article for Gnome Stew or something, I may return to the shelf and go get this book and take a look at it. Yes. Now, this one is a luxury because PDF will also fulfill this. Totally. Like, I can easily just push this into the PDF pile and be like, oh, yeah, I can go find my PDF for that. But yeah, some of my books on my shelf have academic purposes. For instance, Hamlet, Hamlet's hit points, some of my mm-hmm. own writings, which I sometimes refer to. Um, there's a, a Robin's Laws um, 
good game mastering is somewhere in one of my totes. Uh, it, it's somewhat older and dated, but it was, you know, had some pretty profound effects on my, on my, uh, early GMing. The next set of games that you might be keeping are what I will call perennials. These are games that your group may play over and over. So mm -hmm. maybe you're not currently playing Savage Worlds or 5th Edition, Fate, Core, whatever, but they're the kind of games that, uh, you know, every now and then, every few campaigns you guys return to. And you clearly don't want to mm -hmm. purge any of those things because they're games that, you know, will come back, we'll play them again kind of thing. Yeah. So there's, there's those. Uh, after that, right, then I think it's more like I bought some games. <laughs> right i mean i do i, feel I have really a called out when you just say that <laughs> i well it's true like i bought some I mean, games and i don't know if i'm gonna get them to the table because i don't know a if i'm still in the same place from the time i bought it and this yeah. is actually to me this is a danger of why i distrust long kickstarters yeah. Right. If a Kickstarter takes a year or two to fulfill, I may not be interested anymore. But yeah, the chance yeah. I'm still in the same place when I bought the game is iffy, right? So there are games I've bought where it's like, oh no, like I definitely like this game, or I definitely liked the idea of the game back then. But like now I'm looking at it going, hmm, I don't know. Like, you know, well, I mean, for me, I, this one's very specific, but post pandemic, I don't play as many sad games anymore. Yeah. There was a time before pandemic where I really liked playing some real, like just some real fucking heart punching games, right? Like the kind that, you know, you would bleed and feel terrible at the end of post pandemic. Phil is like, mm, I kind of want to feel happy. I yeah. want some escapism. Yeah. And that's not to say that that won't change again because it changed into it. It changed away from it. It could definitely change back to it at some other point. But for right now, my role-playing games are happier, more escapism, that kind of thing. Um, so I do have games on my shelf that probably could just go. And they're not right now because there is no, using a biological term, there is no selective pressure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I haven't bought too many new things. Therefore, yes. I'm not space. confronted with having to take things out. But as some new things arrive, I will be confronted. Right. I'm going to have to look through the collection and make some decisions about what can stay, what can go kinds of things. For sure. For sure. That's going to happen. Uh, I know this because I've gotten notifications of. Uh, several Kickstarters they're that are coming. coming and I'm like and I'm like uh -oh. well they're going to need homes and you know whelp are they going to like what am I going to push uh, when they arrive and it's okay right like it's it's okay I definitely have games that I bought with very much the intention of playing and like I now just look at them like I don't know I don't, I don't think this is happening, you know, and That's then I'll okay. be honest, the like, other pieces yeah. I have bought some of my friends who are designers games, 
knowing that I probably wasn't going to play it, but definitely wanted to show support. Right. Um, well, it's exciting the, to have some of those too. <laughs> like, sure. It's just cool. Sure. I mean, the, the joke that, you know, indie game designers basically pass the same 20 bucks around to themselves. Yeah. There's, yeah. it holds some truth, right? Like, yeah. there's a little truth to that. So I definitely have some other things on my shelf that are like, I probably just not going to play this game. Yeah. Do I need to hold on to it kind of thing? So that's kind of my criteria. Do you want to talk about how you, how you go through stuff? Like, yeah, like the system, the send us yeah, system. Yeah, you want to talk about your system it? for a bit? I just talked about categories. <laughs> yeah. So those are like my internal categories in my head. Like when I'm looking at games, I'm asking myself, like, where do you, like, where do you fall? Yeah. And then, but I don't like, I'm not sure if I have a quote system because I know like with your book collection and your clothing collection, uh, you are confronted by this issue far more. <laughs> Frequently. I do this at least once every six months. Yeah. So um, take at us, this point. Take us so, through that. Yeah. So the system is basically um, going to each item and initially asking yourself, what category does this fall into? Right. And there are sometimes things that is really obvious, right? Like I'm never going to get rid of that Tales from the Flood book. It is definitely there as a souvenir trophy kind of situation. I don't care. It's never ever, ever going away. It may move where it lives, but it's never going to be gotten rid of. So um, actually, I think I've approached this wrong. The thing I should really say to begin with, with my systems is there are three end states that a any particular item can fall into, right? And the first end state is awesome. You're exactly where you belong. Go back on the shelf cool. Um, the second end state is, um, yeah, I don't need to keep this. It's okay. I'm moving on. It goes in the bin to go to, you know, your friendly local library book sale. Hopefully that's where you're taking your books because our libraries can use our support. And that's one uh, powerful way that we can contribute to that. Right. Um, or, you know, for your friends to go through or wherever else you're going to donate those books, right. Where it can do some good. Um, the third state is I think the one that makes it easier for me to um, to manage kind of in the situations when something doesn't fall into either of the first two states, right? When I pick it up and I look at it and I go, I'm not sure, right? If I can't make a solid decision about it, or if I think I'm never going to play this again, or I'm never going to read this again, I'm never going to use this again, but for some reason, I'm very strongly attached to it, but it's taking up storage space and I'm annoyed by the fact that I'm never going to use it again and it's taking up my storage space, right? The third category of stuff, the third action type that I can take is deep storage, right? Cold storage, the icebox. Um, and what that means is that I'm putting those books or clothes or RPGs, whatever it is, into basically the equivalent of what Phil was saying. He has two plastic boxes that are kind of long-term storage that he's not getting into all the time. Um, and so they, they move into that space where I can let them live for a little while, release my connection from seeing them every day, and then open them up the next time I'm going through everything and see if I care enough to still hang on to them, right? So it's sort of, it's the middle space where I'm moving them out of my space, clearing them out of my space. And yet I don't have to make that final decision if there's something that's holding me back. So 
this does mean that you have to have the storage space to do that. And it means that um, when you go through your RPGs, you're not just going through your shelves, right? Because you also have to go through those bins and make decisions about what's in those bins, see if anything in those bins is ready to just move on so that those bins now have space for you to put the I'm not sure stuff when you go through your shelves can move into that long-term storage I'm not sure land, right? So that's, that is actually my system for pretty much everything <laughs> um, because it's really it's a good hard, system. Right, it's really hard sometimes to say hard yes, hard no. It is perfectly valid that they're going, there are going to be objects as you go through things that you're like, I, I can't make a decision about this or I'm paralyzed on making a decision about this for whatever reason. Um, and to be able to just be like, I defer this decision, right? Until I am less emotionally attached. I defer yeah. this decision um, is key to my ability to be able to effectively go through large collections of stuff. Yeah, like, for instance, I know, like, when I went through and uh, got to my third edition stuff. Yeah. I did not keep all my third edition stuff. Yeah. In fact, I have I have a lot of it on PDF for questionable sources <laughs> and reasons. Yep. yep. Like we all did right yep. back in those days. So what I did do was I kept the core three. Yeah. I kept the player's handbook, the monster manual and the DM's guide. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I have some special attachment to those because I did for the first two for the player's handbook and the DMG. I actually took off time from work. We drove to go get them from yeah. Rochester. Like there's some things. So I kept deal. those three. Yeah. And then I kept this. I kept the core three for fourth edition as well. Like mm -hmm. I didn't keep any. And then the other ones, like all the other books from that, I was like, meh, I don't need these. Yeah, I'm PDF, like, yeah. I'm not going to play third edition again. I'm just their trophy status, but also I don't need to keep the whole, uh, the whole thing. Yeah. The entire shelf. So, yeah. So I think having talked about categories of why you might keep stuff, we talked about, um, we've talked about system. Action buckets. <laughs> Action buckets, right? Like to move yes, through no, your maybe, tiers. Right. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the last thing, which is what would, what can you do with your games? So there are a couple of things you can do with your old games. They're not going to, for the most part, net you a large amount of money. The easiest, of course, is to donate them to like a library or to take them to Goodwill or something, right? This requires, uh, this, this, this has no financial return, but also requires no additional storage, no additional work, right? Yes. Very easy, low barrier. And of course you could throw them out, right? Like that would be the yeah. other one, but that I one feels like even both of us are them. making faces when at I say that. At least recycle right. them, but it kind of hurts me, right? Yeah, like, it hurts. I, I, it hurts me to do that to books, right? Yes. Like, okay. So probably not throw them out, but whatever. The lowest barrier is to get rid of them by giving them away that requires nothing else. The next one would be to attempt to sell them on eBay. So or, if, or even just like to put them up on, um, I have a game that I bought from Tracy Barnett. Barnett. Yeah. Um, on Twitter um, that they just, you know, they were like, hey, I'm going through my collection. Here's what I got. Here's sure. what I'm charging for them. PayPal me, right? Yep. Um, and I've seen I've seen some people do that. I think Cam, I think Cam Banks did that before moving back to New Zealand. Like put like a huge Google spreadsheet of like, hey, here's all these books. Here's some prices. 
like first come first serve, you know, you pay yep. the shipping kind of thing. Okay. Basically do a TTRPG yard sale. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you have a buy nothing group, that would yep. be another way to give stuff away. Um, but yes, you could, you could sell your stuff on the internet to your internet collection, you know, collection of friends. You could, um, you could eBay. And then I'll just mention one more. There are places like Noble Night Games, which will buy older games. Now, they won't buy all of them or they won't give you, you know, a spectacular price on your, you know, your D20 boom, weird third party <laughs> supplement thing that you bought at like a con in like 20, you know, 06 or something. But some of the other ones may net you a few bucks, but you will have to for the last three categories I said, you will have to put them in boxes. You will have to take them to the post office. So it will require a little bit of your labor. Yeah. And also you have to pay probably the shipping on that, right? Which thankfully book shipping is less expensive, but you do usually have to wait in line. Yeah. You got to media mail those guys. Yeah. To media mail it. You can't do that at the self-help. Correct. Um, do it yourself. Um shipping but the other option and I am lucky enough to have one and I they don't exist everywhere right but sometimes you will have a um, new and used game shop of some variety that will buy them from you locally so sure. in Denver it's black and red um, r-e-a-d red right um, and they're amazing and they actually resell all kinds of old books I don't imagine they again give you very much for it but if you're thinking about going that path it's worth looking around to see if any of the game stores in your area do like repurchase old hell games. I would literally just if I had a black and red would just take those two totes no money like, right just be like do you want you these just, if, if you want to upcycle these right. right like just just take them because it gets it right to the target audience, right? Exactly. Like, bam. I mean, you could yeah. ship them to me and I could walk them over to Black and Red, see what they would, They're you know, heavy. take them. I know it's a I, lot. The shipping is a lot. It is not a, a trivial amount. I have pictures of them. I might at some point, I might at some point put the pictures up in Slack or something and just be like, hey, if anybody, anybody wants want any these? of these. But yeah. see, the, my concern about it is if I do that and I go to my ex's place to get them, then she'll be like, hey, what are you doing with those boxes? And I'll be forced to confront the whole box, You'll have to take box, all right? of them, not just individual bits. Yeah, yeah I'm not ready to, I, I don't think I'm quite ready for that. But anyway, <laughs> so there are some pathways, right? There are some very low resistance pathways if you just want like them out. Just get them out. You can yep. get them out. And then there's some other ones where if you want to get them back into the community or want to make a little money, uh, there's potential um, there as well. It won't be a ton of money, but obviously I think, most people know that, but you know, hey, a few bucks is a few bucks, right? Yeah. And could help you buy other games, which right? would then cause this cycle yep, to continue. Then the cycle just continues. It's fine. Anyway, I think that's a, I think we did a good job. That's like 40 minutes on, on yeah. the purge. We so, were like, we didn't think that that was, that topic was going to nah, take I, us. You know what? I knew we would do a good job of that. Anyway, well, we're going to take a few minutes to talk about our second question. What is, yeah. so first of all, Mo, thank you for our first question yeah. um, talking about the purge. Tell us about our second question. Our second question was from Sean in the Slack room, who also was in the Slack room. I'm going to say the word Slack room several more times just because it was funny that my brain kept saying it. Um, Sean asked, what is your, uh, what is your take? What? <laughs> Ryan, I apologize. I can't say this apparently. Um, Ryan asked us to talk about um, what our nope, take is Sean. on the... Oh nope, God. stop. <laughs> 
Sean asked us. Oh my God. I'll do what it. Right? You no, sit no. quietly. Okay. No, no, I got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, Sean asked us in the Slack room what our current take is on the culture of conventions. Yeah. So I, I think this is like, I think this question is about going to conventions, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I heard it too. Right. So sure. pandemic wise, right. We, and I think you all know this because we were talking to you about this. We have a past episode talking about, I think in 21 of our yeah. feelings about conventions. So yes. as kind of an update, what are our feelings about conventions in 23? I will say for me, I am definitely, I'm not opposed to conventions. I think it's like, I'm, I think we're getting to the point where going to conventions is becoming more reasonable. That said, I'm not quite prepared to go to a large convention. I don't think I'm in for a Gen Con. Mm-mm, I think that I am in for a smaller con. Sure. A little like smaller population, a less um, smaller population of people, smaller venue kind of thing. Uh, possibly something like a breakout, a Dexcon, like something like that. I'm still not a hundred percent there, but I don't think it's like, I don't think anymore that it's unsafe. Like I, I like in 21, I did not think it was a good idea in yeah. 23. I think it is fine provided you're taking certain precautions. Yeah. And I think that's, pretty much where I am too. I'm much more neutral on it. Um, I, I saw that. So I was, I had some FOMO cause breakout was like just recently here and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I mean, I have very fond memories. Uh, of breakout. Um, and, um, but I did see that one of the things that they were doing is they had a mask requirement. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that makes sense because the thing that is always a little bit, um, freaky about the idea of a convention at this point is that um, you don't have to just deal with, you know, the potential infection rate of the area itself. You also kind of have to deal with the potential infection rate of where every single person who came to that convention is coming from. To a minor extent, yes. Yeah, they're, they're like transporting themselves. Extent, right. They're transporting themselves. They're taking, um, they're traveling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just came back from London. And I will say for myself that um, the act of international travel was a certain amount of risk that I knew that I was taking. And I did my best to mitigate it um, as much as I could, where I could. Um, But I knew that I was taking on like a certain amount of risk I had to. Because when you're traveling, you have to do things like eat food. Um, and so you're probably going to end up in restaurants or you're going to be on a 10 hour flight and you have to eat on the plane, right? Because <laughs> you do be starving, right? Like you have to drink water in that time. Um, and that kind of thing, right? So certainly, um, it's not as horrifying of an idea as it was. Um, I would not personally go to one of the giant conventions just because I do think that, you know, you're just exponentially expanding the number of people that you have potential exposure to, um, which is the thing that I don't love. <laughs> I will, I will also say like, for instance, Gen Con, I think has relaxed their mask uh, requirements. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I, so to me, that's now a very large number of people 
and who, no masks who are is, raw dog in the air with me. That's yes. the problem. The problem is the problem is they're the air. I, I will say that I am also in favor of. I am in favor of, and I know that this is becoming less popular because they're going with masks like more than vaccination. But I also would be a lot more comfortable if I knew I was going to a convention that had minimum vaccination requirements. Yeah. I mean, and and it's it is valid to have exceptions for people with medical exception. It's, oh, it is of course, not of valid course. to have exceptions for people who didn't feel like it. Yeah, right? I mean, like, here, I mean, here's the thing. Opinion. <laughs> here's the thing. If 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 everybody, if everybody who could get a vaccine yeah. goes to the con and has gotten their vaccines, yeah. right? Then it is inherently safer for people who can't. Yeah. Get vaccines. Now add to that, right? The Swiss cheese model. Now add to that masks. masks. Yep. And now we're talking about pretty safe. Yeah. Right. Makes it. And much, so then it just gets down to scary. it gets down to a comfort level. Yep. Right. Which is um, how comfortable are you going to be wearing a mask all day mm-hmm. or how many hours, you know, you know, like I don't have any problem talking in my mask or anything like that. So I don't foresee like I wouldn't foresee that as a problem. I've worn my mask uh, flying out to see you where I've had it on mm-hmm. six, seven hours in a row in an airport with only like the mi- like the tiniest breaks to sip some water kinds of thing. Also, not a big deal kind of thing. So I think in general, I don't think conventions are a bad idea. I think that there's, I think there are things you can do to be smart at a convention, right? Like go get all your vaccinations, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be, don't be like, I'm a, I am a, I am a person over 50 years of age. I have all of the vaccinations for a person over 50 years of age as um, as stated by, I think, both the CDC and my state, right, have yep. the same like parallel yep. requirements. I have gotten all of them. Yep. So that's step one. Two, um, they're a lot cheaper than they used to be. Get some good N95s. Just get, just yeah, get some good masks. They're not hard to get anymore. They're lighter and they're actually more comfortable. I found them more comfortable than any of my cloth ones. Well, yeah, because they're just not <laughs> as heavy on your face. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they, they, the flow well... I can wear them for a while. They come in black, so I look badass with them on. Right? Here's like, the really funny thing that I learned made a huge difference for me as I was wearing that mask for both the airport and then the 10-hour international flight. Um, get your glasses adjusted if you're wearing glasses. Like, make sure, sure that your glasses are going to be comfortable in how they sit on your face, both with and without a mask. Because getting my glasses just tweaked so that they weren't yanking on the backs of my ears made all all the difference in the world in terms of mask comfort for long-term wear. All the difference in the world. I will also say, do yourself a favor. If you're going to a con, especially summertime, put some baby wipes, like a little like travel pack of baby wipes in your bag. I know this from flying that after you have been in your mask for multiple, multiple hours, uh, your face Sweaty. It would be sweaty, like kind of gross and grimy gross, like when you do get a chance moisture. like to eat. Like, yeah, just pop that mask off. Take out a wipe. Wipe your face. Right. Just clean up the sweat, the rebreathing on it. Clean that up. You'll feel really nice. So, yeah, I, I do think it's fine. I will say if people are wondering, like, why, have, why haven't Phil and Senda showed up at cons in a while? I will state a personal reason. <laughs> so. There was a time when you and I only got to see each other uh, at conventions. True facts. So we went to conventions. Lots of conventions. A, a lot, lots of conventions <laughs> so we could hang out with each other. Um, 
we don't need to do that anymore. Yep. I can just, I can come to you. Like I can come to your place. You can come to my place. Yep. And so it's a different pace, right? It's more relaxed. We spend more time hanging out together. We go and like do fun things, cool things, sometimes do nothing kind of thing. And so it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, let's get back on the con train, right? Where we're like rushing around, hardly seeing each other, running from event to event, tired, haggard, whatever, as opposed to not doing that. So we've had (laughs) like we've had a challenge of being like, yeah, like we could go to a con. Right. Like how the question is, how do we spend our vacation days? Yeah. And it's, that one's harder for me. It's (laughs) harder. Yeah. It's harder for me because I now have options. That said, I'm still really liking a friend con Mm -hmm. with like a, like a moderate number of people because one may not need to mask, Mm -hmm. right? If these are all friends that I trust that like, I'd be okay taking the risk with that I know have gotten vaccinations, taken precautions, you know, before heading in, wouldn't come if they were feeling bad, would not be opposed to taking a test, you know, yeah, I was going to say, like, if it's actually a friend con, you could bubble to the point where it's just like, everybody just takes a test in the morning or whatever, like. Sure, absolutely. Right. Like, like that kind of thing. Like I would be like, there's a part where I want to like see a bunch of friends at a con. Desperately. Yeah. Desperately. Right. Because there are just some peeps that I very much want to see that we haven't seen since pre-pandemic, like since before the pandemic. But also like, I don't know if I want the hectic of a con, but maybe I just want to like hang with some like extended friends and be like, hey, why don't you all come to Buffalo, grab some hotel rooms, we'll find a space and we'll go play some games for a long weekend. And yeah, that's still very much on my mind. Yeah. So cool. I think that's so, pretty yeah, much that's our, that, So yeah. that's kind of a long answer. Our long answer is cons okay. Like we'll probably go to one at some point. We're just we're feeling it. Like we're just feeling it out and weighing our options against actually just hanging out and doing other stuff. Yeah. It's yep. tough. It is tough. It is uh it's hard. Um and and 3 years ago Senda never would have been able to make this decision. <laughs> Because I thrived off of the high energy hecticness of cons. But you know what? It's more relaxing to not. Uh, Three years ago, Phil was having some serious um, issues, which he's still talking to his therapist about, Mm -hmm. um, that made cons kind of a thing that had to do with validation and self-worth and some of those things that I'm working my way past. And so cons aren't as urgent yeah. Uh, of a thing for me. Right. So I don't know. So will we be at a con in the future? Probably. probably. Is it going to happen right away? Probably eh, not. Probably not. <laughs> we'll get there. You'll eventually see us at a con. Yeah. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah. We'll tell everybody when we're going. Okay. Cool. Let's wrap this up. Thank you to Sean for that question. Thank you for Mo for the question about the purge. And we're going to move into the end game of our show by first talking about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. 
Sure. On the Misdirected Mark podcast, Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you, and apparently haven't updated their blurb, because right now they're doing this really cool thing called MM Plays, wherein they are playing and recording essentially an actual play, right, but with no rules editing, really. Um, And then basing their conversations, the kind of conversations that they have always done, um, in what actually happens at the table. So for the first time, instead of just hearing about their games later as anecdotes as they use them to describe things, you can hear them both play the game and then hear them talk about the game. Yeah, we're doing it. We're putting our money where our mouth is. Yeah, you are. (laughs) So, like, that's happening. Owning our own bullshit, eating our dog food. I don't know. One of those one of those analogies makes sense, but we're doing it. Sure. Doing the thing. Anyway. Cool. Anyway, send a where do people find us on the internet? Well, you you can you can still find us on on Twitter. Although hanging I, in there. I don't check it super duper often anymore. But if you leave us a note on Twitter, I will see it eventually. It's at Pandas Talk Games. Um for the moment, you can uh, leave us messages on TikTok, um, given that that doesn't get banned. Um, we have one. We, we have one. We each have a TikTok. <laughs> no, no. We have a message. Oh, a message on TikTok. Yeah, we totally Coming do. Coming soon. Coming like, soon. But like, you know, also given that TikTok doesn't get banned. Um, and then uh, where, where else? You can find us at forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can find us on dice.camp in Mastodon. Um, where we use Idella Mithland and DNA Phil, same as TikTok. And uh, if you prefer, because this is all getting very complicated, you can always drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Yeah, just like Mo and Sean did, leave us a question, a topic, something that you're, something that you would like a little help with in your running or playing of games. Whatever it is, it can be super specific. It can be super broad. What we want to do is we want to help you by using our vast, ancient for me, (laughs) knowledge of role playing uh, to give you some tips, some tricks, break things down for how they work and just make things easier for whatever that question or topic is so that when you need to do it at the table, it's going to be a little easier for you. And that right there goes to really the core of what we're here for, which is more better games. We want you to play and run more better games because the more fun you have in this hobby, the more you will do it, the more other people will get to do it with you. And all the benefits of just having a group of people to play games with and just the, you know, the stress reduction, all of that stuff that goes with it. I've been doing it for 40 years and it's a huge part of my life. And I want it to be a, you know, I want it to be part of your life too. It can be big. It can be huge or not huge, depending on what space you want to give it. But I want you to have a chance at having that experience. And the way that happens is just by enjoying running and playing games. So that's what we're here for. We're going to help you do that. I just have to tell you quickly that you say ancient and I am immediately imagining you because of the shirt that you're wearing as an ancient red dragon. And then based on our previous conversation about purging games, clearly hoarding RPG books, like 
that's <laughs> my big horde. Just a big I'm gonna go climb onto my pile right? of RPG <laughs> books after this. And yeah, just just, just sit there perched on them, snuggle yes. in, make the books all nice and comfy, and then just like sit there and breathe a little bit of smoke out your nose. <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> If you like what we do here on Pandas Talking Games or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider joining our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Slack Room for Life. Uh, there's some stuff in there, right? Like it's good. It's good conversation, good peeps. You can hang out with us on Friday luncheons. Uh, if you are a patron, um, I think at the $4 level, you're getting access to the stuff from our MM plays. Like you get access to our campaign documents, eventually our session notes when I'm ready to release those. Cause I can't release them in a way that could contaminate the guys. So you'll get to see the session notes. I'm doing a single audio a uh, thing called behind the screen where I talk about the upcoming sessions so that you can kind of hear my take on them just as a GM prepping sessions. So I thought that might be fun. So there's a bunch of stuff there. And I think at higher levels, you get access to Chris's design notes for his lamplighter system. Like there's some stuff happening uh, in terms of the network. So dig it, right? Join up, yeah. hang out with us. We'd love yep. it. Love to have uh, you. For, for all of you who are supporting us, uh, through Patreon. Thank you very much. You are keeping our lights on and making the wheels go round and round. And uh, if you're unable to, we understand, but there is a thing you can do that if you can spare just a little bit of your personal time, and we know that time's precious, but we appreciate it. There's a thing you can do that can also help us send a, what's that thing? Well, you can either tell a friend if there's someone that you think would be interested in this show please feel free to just tell them directly on whatever media makes the most sense for that. Or you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, which is like telling a stranger that you like us and hopefully helps the algorithm sped us up a little higher. Um, and thank you so much to everybody who's already left us a rating or a review. We love seeing those reviews because we read them and they make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. They're great. Indeed. Say Senda. I'm going to show you a stack of books. I need mm -hmm. you to tell me if I should keep or get rid of these. Are you ready? Yep. Let's do it. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, hey. Yeah. I am live. Adjust the microphone. I think I'm good. Check, check. I think I'm good now. Bloop. Hello, Ryan. And thank you for the awesome <laughs> TikTok. We're not doing your topic yet because I did not have time to write and script yeah. an episode and we're not yeah. doing your topic until I can script an episode we're, because you did such a nice notes. job doing it on TikTok. Yeah. I, I can, I cannot wing your episode. We must, we must do it proper. So yeah. hopefully yeah. that's going to be next week because I yeah, think my spoilers. kiddos are going to a Taekwondo tournament and I don't have to, um, I'm not on the road and they're not coming over. So I think I will have time to, to do everything. Anyway, that said, we're going to apologize because um, I'm going to apologize one more time because this is a unscripted episode. So hopefully it's not more work for you. We'll try to be good and calm while we're talking and hopefully we'll make it um, <laughs> not too painful. 
Anyway. Well, calm. <laughs> Bloop. I'm pretty sure that Phil just took a 10 second nap. 10 seconds. No, of but it, it slows my breathing down if I just close my eyes and lean away from the mic so that there's no like, you know, breathy noises on the mic. Well, you look like you are is... ready to start laughing. I, I don't know what it is. Like, do you think I'm going to mess now with you? Like, do you... Laughing? I don't know. Did I look like I was ready to start laughing? You did. You looked like earlier when I did the counting thing, you look like you, you look like I was going to mess with you or something. Like that look. I might have expected you to mess with me a little bit when you did that. Yeah. I was waiting to see if you were going to start expectations. with. I like, was waiting just... to see if you were going to start with one or with four. I could have started with 10. See, that's yeah. what I, that's what I mean. That that's right what you're there, expecting. Yeah. That's what I wasn't I sure. It could have gone either way. No, just based I understand. on our conversation beforehand. It like, it could have been. I, I am professional. Sure. <laughs> I am task driven today. I'm looking to get okay. some work done here. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Except that my iPad's battery is so low and it's plugged in, but it gets so little charge from the display that it keeps turning itself off. The, like the screen is in low power mode. So it keeps turning itself off again and can be like, let me get back to my notes. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Bloop. Dude. See how I worked both questions into the same intro. Oh, oh. You didn't even catch on, did you? I did. Goodness. 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 All right, here we go. Okay. Bloop. Show me what you got. Show me what <laughs> Show you got. Show me what 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 you got.